honoring the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Sherry V is over in Studio CC. And also we have Jeff Mack with us, which is really, really exciting. It's a new addition yeah. to our crew here. Jay Mack's in the house. <laughs> Jay Mack, that's right. Thank you. Um, is that what? Is no, that that's what just what I call them. Okay, know. okay. I, just, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> that's not official or anything. I'm just, you know. Because <laughs> you have to give a context for that. Some people could think that we have just hired John MacArthur. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. So, no, they wouldn't I mean, we should be they fine. Were, holler at us. If it's, <laughs> you know, if it's really bad in California, you're looking for something else. I mean, holler at us. They wouldn't know? believe that, though. Maybe. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> it's good. Good to be back with... Um, our crew this week, uh, we've got, hopefully by God's grace, another great week of shows that um, will lead to a lot of additional conversation mm-hmm. around some of the topics that come across um, these microphones. Today, we are going to talk about money. And um, interestingly enough, we're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about stimulus. Oh, a stimmy. Don't go nicknaming. <laughs> Don't go That's nicknaming. That's what I've, I've heard because it called. You know what? Well, yeah, I've heard that too. Um, but don't go nicknaming. It's like uh, it's like farm animals. You know, you don't name them. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because you know you're probably going to eat them. Mm. You know, <laughs> so you don't you don't name them. You know, you don't want to create like a relationship. You know, uh, stimulus is probably similar to that. But in this case, don't name them because uh, they're probably going to eat you. Mm. Not not because you're. <laughs> Anyways, <Yeah>. um, listen. <laughs> So our guest today is going to discuss an article with us, her article that I read, um, I, I guess, I guess earlier last week or mm-hmm. the week before. I can't remember. All my days kind of seem to run together. Um, but the article really grabbed my attention. It was five ways to use stimulus, stimulus hush, hush money to fight Democrats plan for your serfdom. Um, (laughs) i know just you know i you know you know what i enjoy so i was like okay click right (laughs) right right let's read it and uh and so anyway joy pullman is uh gonna join us today to talk about that she is Hmm. um executive editor of the federalist got it out and man um, that's a hard word to say especially when you're saying a lot of other words right because (laughs) you don't want to enunciate federalist yeah you kind of just want to do federalists, and that's not how you <laughs> do it. That's what I normally do. That's okay. Everybody yeah, I know. understands. Uh, um, so anyway, we're but w- this is a real conversation, right? Because um, let's go back to a year ago mm-hmm. when we were talking about stimulus and we were talking about the force shutdown of so many people's businesses and and what was happening, um, you know, just in our country and so much chaos and pain and all of these things. Um, people just didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and um, I was. I was in agreement and even making the argument and I don't need to give names to anchor my argument, but my argument at the time was 
man, this is not a government handout in the sense of, you know, oh, this is this is, we're making demands of the government. This is what the government owes us. Yeah. You have individuals who have been forced out of work. You have so you're talking about the who, first time, the first, the, fir- one, the very, the very first yeah. time. Yeah. OK, because what are we at? Is this number three or four? Man, I don't know that we're talking about. Joy will three? help us remember. Okay. I want to say that this is the third one. I, yeah. I could be wrong about that. Um, but now we're at the point where really um, this is this is um, excuse me for saying it this way, but this is financial grooming. Mm. OK, this is teaching people to expect something from the government, um, which I think will come at great cost yeah. to the American people. Yeah. And and so what what I want to do in this moment is not so much just speak to the American people as much as I want to say to the body of Christ that the Lord has already taught us or told us how we are to live, mm-hmm. right? That we are to earn a living with our hands, that we, you know, this is not something that is just, a, you know, um, sort of an American tradition. Right. This is biblical conviction. And, and the thing that scares me, and you and I have been talking about this a lot, is that um, this can have a very numbing um, tranquilizing effect yes. on people if you're not careful, even Christians. Um, I remember, I think it was maybe the second stimulus. We were talking about this and um, I saw it as a sort of like, you know, a moment where you've got to be very careful. You almost got to be like the Hebrew boys where you're like, okay, I, <laughs> I can't find myself longing for the King's dainties right. kind of a thing, right. you know? And I think it's difficult to do when you've got people who are, um, you know, shoving samples in your face as you walk through Sam's. Yeah, so and the speak. thing is, you take take away or take back, it's like almost impossible. Man, Once you listen. start get that, you get that river flowing, it's like, man, you know, Good grief. you're and always going to be looking for something. That is what liberals understand. Yeah. This is a psychological thing. Um, and, and I think that that is something that Christians don't necessarily have to understand but what we must have is biblical conviction. So even if you don't understand the psychology behind all of it, mm-hmm. um, though those who are throwing money at you do understand that, what we must have is biblical conviction because the biblical conviction will make up for any other gaps that you have in information. Yeah. You know, you can you cannot know, but you just apply the word of God and, and that becomes a safety net for you. That becomes protection for you. Um, I, I quoted mm. um, FDR Mm. in his State of the Union address mm-hmm. uh, back in 1935. Um, you quoted him in 1935? No, I'm just playing. Yeah. I quoted him in 1935, <laughs> okay, which is why everyone should listen because anyone has been quoting someone <laughs> that long. Um, no, I quoted him in 2015. He gave this State of the Union address in 1935. Um, and, and this is what he said. And you, you got to think about where we are now. You've got to think about what liberals know about just – giving money to people, just, just doling out money mm-hmm. um, and, and, and calling that help. You, you got to understand that if in 1935 it was flat out said and people understand, um, as, as FDR put it, <laughs> this narcotic that is the government just giving people stuff, then think about where we are now. So anyway, this was the, this was the, the, um, the quote uh, from FDR's State of the Union Address in 1935, in 1935, quote, the lessons of history confirmed by the evidence immediately before me show conclusively that continued dependence 
upon relief induces a spiritual and moral disintegration fundamentally destructive to the national fiber. To dole out relief in this way is to administer a narcotic, Mm. a subtle destroyer of the human spirit. It is inimical to the dictates of a sound policy. It is in violation of the traditions of America. That was in 1935. A subtle destroyer of the human spirit. A subtle destroyer of the human spirit. Spirit. So, so here is my strong conviction mm-hmm. about what I think is happening. And, and I think that Joy Pullman does a fantastic job in her article. Um, of course, I, I, I like to look at the spiritual implications. Right. Um, I think that what is happening here is sort of this, um, you know, the question that is from the beginning, did God really say? Did God really say? If you can create a group of people who feel it's better for them not to work, I I fare better if I don't work, (laughs) right? Then the question then becomes, well, okay, you think about um, the word of the Lord through the Apostle Paul that, that we should not be idle. Yeah. That Christians should not be idle, that Christians should be working. This is uh, 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse. Uh, I'll start at verse 6. The Apostle Paul wrote, uh, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat Mm. verse 11 for we hear that some among you walk in idleness not busy at work but busy bodies now such persons we command and encourage in the lord jesus christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living listen this is not an american ideal I think sometimes if we look at these things like, oh, that's anti-American or Mm -hmm. this, you know, you're you're violating fundamental, you know, uh, American conviction and belief. And and this is foundational to our country. All of those things may be true. But for the Christian, we actually have a higher calling. It's a it's a calling that is ours that expands nations. So this works in every nation around the world. This call is a call to the Christian and it predates America. So what does that mean? That means in 21st century America, Christians still have the strong conviction that we must work, Mm -hmm. that we must labor. We must earn a living. Remember, and this is why I, you know, it's 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 low hanging fruit, although it it is still fruit (laughs) to just grab at what our traditions are and the way we do things Mm. as Christians. We must always ask ourselves what is the call of Christ? What is it that the spirit of God says to us through the word of God? And that does not change. So while people are throwing money Mm -hmm. at you Mm -hmm. left and right, Mm -hmm. and it is very sensual Mm -hmm. and it is very tempting, the Christian must keep in front of himself or herself, Mm -hmm. the clear commands of scripture. So I guess the question then would be, 
you know, Christians who have uh, following the command and work and, you know, every day and, and, and do what they're supposed to do. When you have things like the stimulus, how do you um, engage that? Like, you know, because some people will say, ah, don't accept it or, or give it away or do something. Like, so I well, guess. Well, that's that, what we're going to talk about with Joy right. Coleman. So I She's guess that's got, the wisdom yeah. behind, like, what do you do with something like that, you know, yeah. so that you don't begin to be hooked. Yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah. think the way I think the way Christians use uh, stimulus money will say a lot and probably does say a lot about us. Mm-hmm. And I think the way Christians use stimulus money um, will condition us for what whatever it is that the enemy has in mind uh, coming coming down the line. So I think that for for the the, the millions of Americans who um, are there is the very I I agree with Joy Pullman and and I'm kind of summarizing here, but I I agree that this is an attempt to buy Americans Hmm. and to condition Americans um, to be taken care of by the government, to feel a sense of entitlement, to feel that the government owes us. And I think we have to be very, very careful. This requires a lot of prayer. And in fact, that's why we're doing this show, because I think that um, it may not be on our radar that, you know, that you can you can reject this in heart. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. you can you can reject this in heart and um, and and not allow yourself to be purchased by a liberal, you know, freewheeling government that seeks to buy your silence and to buy your complicity like you. You don't have to be complicit in this. And, and I think that's what the conversation is. That's where it lies. Um, hopefully, hopefully families and in particular. And again, I'm unapologetically speaking directly to a Christian audience. So when I say my hope and, you know, my great care is that the body of Christ not um, not stumble, mm. you know, not not allow what is put in front of us to be a stumbling block for us. I think that's very, very important. So anyway, this is, this is an important conversation. There may be some humor in it. Um, (laughs) But nevertheless, nevertheless, all joking aside, we have a great responsibility to live for the glory of God in every generation. I keep saying it. I know it sounds like it's a broken record, um, but that it's, it's, it's my strongest conviction. That we live for the glory of God. That includes living for the glory of God in 21st century America where they are attempting to buy you, mm, (laughs) you know. Anyways. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will and I'm Sarah Reeves with details. We have our guest with us. Joy Pullman is executive editor at The Federalist, a happy wife and mother of six children. Happy wife. That's good. 
Well, I'm a Mother happy of six wife children. too. Wow. Yeah, I know. I kind know. A mirror there. There's a lot for us to talk about. You are I'm happy. a happy wife. Yes. I am a happy wife. <laughs> and I also have six children. Yes. So do you. <laughs> that's really, really interesting. Uh, but that's not, we're not the focus here. Joy Pullman right. is the focus. That's right. uh, she's also the author of a few books, including the newest book, How to Control the Internet So It Doesn't Control mm. You. Her best selling ebook is Classic Books for Young Children. And she's also the author of the book, The Education Invasion How Common Core Fights Parents for Control of American Kids. Wow. Now, I'm going to say this. I think what, what I would like to. <laughs> I don't know, Joy, but after this interview, I feel like I might just a little bit better. Um, she identifies as native, lowercase n, American, capital A. Yeah. You see what she did yeah, there? Yeah, I see what she did there. And also as gender natural. <laughs> Joy, Man. I don't, listen, awesome. okay? Every now and again, I come across <laughs> people that I go, we probably should be friends in life. Joy, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm I'm glad you found some humor in my bio. Some people have gotten genuinely confused. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's it. Funny. No, I I I I think it's great. And and um anyway, <laughs> way to be courageous in putting that out there because I'm sure that there are some people who not only are confused but you know are triggered by it and and feel like there needs to be a discussion around it. I don't. Um, anyways, okay. So tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and the work that you do over at the Federalist. Uh, I mean, in my mind, it's pretty straightforward, except for the part about kind of arranging it around all the kids, as you mentioned in the (laughs) intro, (laughs) you know, so, uh, you know, uh, a lot of my job involves, uh, working with writers to make, you know, to come up with and write and put out the best articles that we can get. And I also write as often as I can. So that's pretty much the summary. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Can I ask you the uh, the ages of your kids? What, what What's the range there? My oldest son is 10, and my mm. youngest child is 9 months. Wow. Okay, great. So our <laughs> oldest is 14, and yes. our youngest is 6 months. Yes. And yes. we also have 6. Do you, do you educate your kids at home? I actually am a graduate, a homeschool graduate. So based on the experience, uh, I decided to put my kids in a Christian school. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I actually am a graduate of public school. So based on that experience, I decided to homeschool my kids. It's interesting that we kind of have a little mirror thing going on there. Oh, I think homeschooling is absolutely a step up from most of what's available out there. Yeah. (laughs) No, good for you. Um, Let's talk about um, your piece. I read this, I guess, a week and a half ago. And I thought, man, what a way to encourage Christians. This is a large part of what we do here. In fact, our primary focus is to encourage Christians as we look at what's happening in the culture. And um, when we talk about, you know, (laughs) stimulus and there is, Hmm. you know, my goodness, it's like a tranquilizer. I, I really believe that the intent is to kind of rewire not only Americans, but if we're not careful, Christians to rewire the way we think about working and uh, doing those things for the glory of God. And I I found your piece uh, to be uh, a challenge and an encouragement. And so I wanted to have a conversation around that. Um, Five ways to use the stimulus hush money to fight (laughs) (laughs) Democrats' plans for your serfdom. Um, Let's talk about it, Joy. Great. I mean, I think the title says it all right there. And as you said, I, I I have some, you know, ethical conflicts about this money, you know, and I, you know, for, frankly, my, my husband and I don't need it, thank God. You know, we are, 
are, you know, we have had some, you know, challenges and some instability because of the pandemic, but we still mm-hmm. have both of our jobs, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so thank the Lord, you know, our kids are provided for. So we were, and we have so many of them that we're getting huge amounts of money. It's kind of <laughs> ridiculous. It's not kind of ridiculous. It's completely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but, it's, you know, so, but, so I have one of my biggest challenges and being, I mean, I guess a Christian, a mother, as well as having my position at the Federalist is to really kind of try to figure out how to practically apply my principles while still, you know, so taking the things that I believe and uh, that are, you know, I, I believe are objective truths and unchanging, but also yeah. trying to practically apply them in the real world. It's very difficult for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so the point of saying that is to say, um, I mean, so, you know, would a pure principle approach to say, let's throw this money in the trash. It's from my kids. You know, it's um, it's wrong to bankrupt the future. Well, that wouldn't really have any effect on this. Uh, you know, no one's going, you know, it's just going to go <laughs> to somebody else who's going to use it on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just saw this today on social media, buying a new go-kart. I've seen <laughs> other people. I'm, I had a friend, she talked to her checker, you know, at Sam's Club, spent it on a vacation. You know, so that's really embarrassing. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we're living in, in a world in which all of our enemies, and I do really consider, I've been seeing more and more a lot of the things that are political really being spiritual. Mm. You know, it just feels so much more like the, the, the spiritual battle that we mostly can't see is getting very clear and, you know, more clearly involved in our politics. Um, and, and so, you know, uh, so in just so many different ways. Anyway, so all so, what is the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think it would be right for us to spend that on uh, vacation. But I think there's a number of different creative ways. To, you know, look, we we live in a country in which, you know, special interests are getting bailouts all the time. There isn't a lot of justice available in our lawmaking process, and including the stimulus bill. What is the most ethical and responsible way to kind of get this money. And really, like you said earlier, Democrats, I think, are really hoping that we get used to it. In fact, it's openly discussed in Washington that the goal is to use this as a a, a test case for, you know, rolling out what's called universal basic income, Mm -hmm. um, which basically would, um, it's basically just straight welfare checks to everybody Mm. um, is the short of it. Anyway, so my article really kind of talks about that as how can you, what are you, what are constructive ways to use money, especially if you don't need it? And obviously one of them would be to give it to charity to people who have need as well as, mm-hmm. um, you know, we know that Democrats plan to oppress Christians on the basis of our beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so there are legal um, organizations such Alliance Defending Freedom who could benefit from us using, you know, um, just turning that right back on the people who want to enslave our minds and our spirits yes. and our bodies. Yeah. No, I I thought that that was really great. I thought that example of just understanding what is at stake and that there are organizations that are on the front lines fighting for us. So to take that stimulus money and to help them to aid in the work that they're doing, I thought that was really creative and and having like serving a double purpose. Not only are you giving to them, but you're you're also kind of giving to yourself. I mean, as a Christian, we look at where we're headed. Um there could be a time where there are only a few of us who don't need their services. I mean, you know, depending on what line of work you're in and what it is that you're doing, but you also say, um, get your kids out of public school. I want to, I want to talk about that. Great. Um, in fact, that was one of the things that I noticed when president Trump passed the large tax cut that included, um, you know, more child tax credit money, um, which again, we don't really need, and I'm not sure about the wisdom of it, but (laughs) 
Um, but but it was, you know, a lot of money for families with children. And I called it the largest, you know, federal school choice bill in history because it sends it uh, sends more money back to parents. And it frees, you know, it frees parents to be able to to put their children into options that they have to pay for outside of the tax system. You know, so mm-hmm. right now, most Americans, obvi- I mean, it's not obvious, but we we pay for uh, public schools. Uh, we basically send that tuition check through our mortgage and our, and our local property taxes. Um, so that's kind of hidden or it's rolled into the cost of a house. But if you, you know, if you use the, you know, so, but between, you know, the, the tax credit enlargement as well as all these checks, that easily adds up to a very significant amount of money to put a child into private school, Christian school, or to homeschool that child. So it really could be fruitfully used to enable school choice for Christian families who really want their children to get an education where they can be sure not only are, you know, their kids, I mean, so one of my concerns, I, you know, uh, is that, you know, I don't want my daughter to be with uh, teenage boys in locker rooms, if, you know, or yeah. she is on in swim team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't supervise my sons in the boys' locker room, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. So, um, how, you know, so this is just a way for families to be more faithful in their stewardship of their children and help ensure that their children are brought up in faith. Yeah. No. And I, I, I don't think that this is a conversation that we can have too frequently when you think about what is going on, the indoctrination that's taking place in schools, in public school system. And I, I think that this is wise for parents to consider how this might enable them to do something different, maybe even something that they've longed to do, but thought we just don't know how we'll do that. Or maybe they hadn't been able to do that um, again, not buying a TV and maybe <laughs> doing something like this might be a little bit better. Um, get out of debt. I read a few articles. Um, I read a few articles that suggested that this is probably one of the major ways that people um, are using stimulus money uh, to get out of debt. You agree with that? Uh, I actually, so I do know that according to various surveys and such um, that Americans have been over the course of the pandemic paying down more of their debt than before. And that is just another great way to basically free yourself at, Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the folks that I like to listen to, he um, is uh, the editor of The Masculinist. His name is Aaron Wren, so it's a great resource for especially Christian fathers, but also I'm not a father, obviously, and I like to read it. Um, but so he writes about making yourself financially anti-fragile, because especially as Christians move into what he calls the negative world, where being a Christian is seen as a bad, dirty, evil thing. You know, it, it used to be seen as a positive thing. It would make people have more social approval of you. Now it's the opposite. So, it, so there is a rising threat to, you know, our careers, to us having to be more quiet, you know, just that so, kind of social shaming culture. So it can put people's jobs or education and other kind of things like that um, potentially at risk. So it's a better strategy to make yourself less vulnerable, um, you know, to the fact that, oh, you have to stay a hold you know, of your job or not speak up um, because, you know, you have so many financial pressures that you've locked yourself into. So one way to really get yourself free to make yourself, you know, anti-fragile to make yourself more sturdy and durable is to pay down that debt. Yeah, no, I think that is great advice. And and let's do uh, one more before we go to the break here. Um, hedge against inflation. And of course you are not a financial advisor, but there, there's going to come a time where all of this is going to catch up to the American people. All of the spending money that we do not have is going to catch up. So you are encouraging that Americans take steps to hedge against inflation. What what does that look like? 
Well, again, like, I mean, I am not, my, my dad would laugh, my dad who sat with me and did algebra two years in a row while I cried at <laughs> <laughs> uh, homeschooling, you know, would laugh about the fact that I'm, but you know, but I thanks actually thanks to him, he's a small business owner, have learned some basic financial principles. And so one of them is, I mean, inflation is basically what our government is creating now, and it is going to make our future as a nation and individuals much more financially vulnerable. It means likely slower growth. It means longer waits, you know, for things like, you know, freezers for home development and so forth. It means just a really slow or no growth situation, stagflation, you know, kind of uh, the, the thing. So, I mean, we need to think ahead. I mean, this money isn't, you know, there's, there's someone's going to have to pay the bills yeah. <laughs> at some point. Yeah. And, you know, with that, uh, the amounts that you, you know, you initially get, it's going to have to be paid back typically many times, many multiples. And we, you know, people who pay attention to the federal budget know that it's been operating in the red for a very long time, and it's only set to get really worse. We've, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare created basically a balloon mortgage for the United States. So all of that to say, um, our money and the, what inflation means is that prices just basically get higher. And so people are used to that happening, you know, at a rate of about 1% to 3% a year, the average around 2%. You know, but inflation is when that happens a lot more fast. So what really that does is, uh, means, you know, it's best to not have, you know, hold things in cash or your savings. It's basically the government stealing from people who save. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, like I said, I counsel against debt, although, you know, people who play around with money would consider this a good time to be in debt, but that's not something I do. But the long story short is, you know, ways to guard against that tend to be um, for a normal person um, would be, you know, buying assets. So, for example, my husband and I have discussed the major home repairs that we need to have done. Um, so, you know, doing those a little earlier, um, you know, would be something like that. Um, so developing, you know, so, so spending off things now with, before the dollars get really cheap um, for assets and hard tangible items like that. We've bought a generator, you know, I really, you know, so I mean, to prepare against other kinds of types of uncertainty. So those are kind of examples as well as investing in the stock market is also a way um, to kind of hedge against inflation. And I can't advise you about where to go or what to do with that, but right. there's lots of good resources for people who are interested in that. Just one question. This may seem kind of funny, but I remember there was a time where there was a talk about fiscal responsibility in politics and things like that. And where we've gone now, this is what the third stimulus, maybe, maybe fourth. Do you think that that would ever be a a serious conversation about that ever again? Or where, where does this stop? Well, you know, I don't have a crystal ball and I don't really trust our political leaders. <laughs> At this point, they have a terrible track record on this issue. Otherwise, we wouldn't both be in this parties. situation. Yeah. And this, yeah, both parties. Absolutely. There's their equal opportunity blame for that. Yeah. Um, and I actually, this is the fifth COVID label bill. It's oh. actually kind of lying to call it a COVID bill because only 9% of the spending in this, this latest one, 9%, less than 10, yes. 9 wow. yeah. went towards anything that you could call COVID-related. Wow. And almost half of the bill is going to be paid out after the end of this calendar year. Mm. So it's very clearly not really a COVID bill. That's just a lie. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, at this point, I mean, the, gov- the, the government has really accelerated the fiscal um, debt crisis that we were already on a trajectory towards with all of these bills. And the short answer to your questions, I really think that uh, based on Washington's track record, mm-hmm. they are not going to confront this until it's an absolute crisis. And um, yeah, and until um, until literally the checks can't go out the door and there's people in the streets. I mean, I wish I didn't have to say that, but again, yeah. their track record on the stinks. <laughs> yeah, 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 Joy. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Joy Pullman, executive editor of The Federalist, happy wife and mother of six children. All right, we're going to grab the break, and we'll be right back on the other side. Stay right there. In my brokenness, you are close to me. In my weakness, in my strength, you are highly lifted up. You sit high up on the throne. You are God, you are God. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Darius James with You Are God Alone. All right, let's turn our attention to another uh, column that I read that um, is kind of linked to COVID here, and then um, we'll take the remainder of the time and, um, or the remaining time and open the phone lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read this article uh, written by John Stone Street and Roberta Rivera over at breakpoint.org. And they were talking about something that has been sort of disturbing coming out of um, COVID lockdowns. So the expectation was that um, nine months after the first lockdowns, there would be like a baby boom. There would be a COVID <laughs> baby boom, right? Mm-hmm. Which would make sense. Right. That you would expect <laughs> that there would be a baby boom. Mm-hmm. Well, there hasn't been. Really? Um, I remember really. that. I remember that talk. You know, yeah. people saying, yes. oh, man, <laughs> the jokes about all the names, yeah. Covina, Covina and Corona. And, yeah, none of these kids, none of these kids are getting these names. Um, there's been oh, um, I, I guess what you would call it is um, a baby doom, not not a boom. Hmm. Would they then, um, when they're in their 40s and 50s, be called doomers? <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyways, um, they, they don't always work. It's okay. Uh, here is, here is the, the piece here. At the start of the pandemic, many expected the lockdowns and quarantines to lead to a baby boom. Well, the data is in. Instead of a boom, it's been a bust. A CBS recently, I'm sorry, as CBS recently reported, records from more than two dozen states show a 7% drop in births in Hmm. December, nine months after the first lockdowns began. While 7% may seem like a small dip, it's not. As the New York Times puts it, the pandemic's serious disruption of people's lives is likely to cause missing births, potentially a lot of them. And these missing births to the country's decades-long downward trend in annual births, um, can lead to an expectation of changes to our economy and society in the years to come. Hmm. All right, let's talk about that. So we are not having children and even locking us in the house (laughs) with one another did not lead to us having more children. Hmm. What exactly is going on? Man, that's interesting. Uh, (laughs) You know, (laughs) what's going on? Because I thought, the reports of you know what people were saying and the jokes and all. I I, I thought it, they were joking, but I thought, man, it's probably right. Yeah. And so yeah. this this kind of um, surprises me um, that it has not happened. As a matter of fact, there's from what you're saying, it, you know, is is a drop. You know, so I I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe people feel like there's. Uh, uh, I don't think so. I was going to say maybe people felt like there's no time for this. You know, <laughs> we got to be serious about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so they, their mindset was a little different about the lock, the lockout. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. 
What, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Well, I mean, since you asked, um, I think we just do not value children in our society. I think we don't value children as a culture. Hmm. And I think even being locked up together, mm-hmm. couples, um, you know, are <laughs> don't see the value of children. And can I just can I just say it that way? Uh-huh. Don't see the value of children. But this is something that has been trending, if you will, in American society for a long time. Yeah. As um, this article points out, the postponing and foregoing of childbirth has corresponded to the postponing and foregoing of marriage. Since 1980, the median age. Now think about this. Since 1980. The median age of first marriage has mm-hmm. gone from 24.7 for men mm-hmm. and 22 for women to 30 and 28, respectively. So you have people not mm-hmm. only postponing getting married and uh, postponing having children, mm-hmm. but you look at it even now being locked up. <laughs> I say locked up together. <laughs> but I mean, that's I mean, effectively, that's what it was. Yeah. People were just kind of locked up together and, yeah. and people are still not having kids. I, you know, not to always take things, you know, to the spiritual implications, but I just, well, we should. I mean, okay. Go ahead. Um, I just don't think that people see the word of God as authoritative in, in this area and probably other areas. So I don't think that children are seen as a blessing. Mm-hmm. The problem is that this has real world implications. Yes. Spiritual implications mm-hmm. in that we don't take God at his word, but it has real world implications. So you're decreasing the workforce for this generation, right? Um, then you you think about all of the the elderly people who will need care, and then you don't have people who will care for them. You have a decrease in the population that would be caring for um, aging individuals. I've I've joked about this. I won't say the extent to which I've joked about this, mm-hmm. but I have joked with some people in my life and saying that you're going to be coming looking for one of my kids. <laughs> you know, you know, like, you have six you're gonna, kids. You, you have right, six. Hey, be- I need someone that you, you're going to be coming because there's a think about this. God, in his infinite wisdom, has set up our culture and mm-hmm. our societies to function where you have these, you know, generations right. that exist together. Right. And so there is this ongoing cycle where there are just certain expectations of what's supposed to happen, you know, at any mm. given time. And unfortunately for us in the United States of America, we just don't believe that. Now, this article pointed out something else that I thought was really interesting, that Israel is a notable exception to the global COVID-19 baby bus trend. Really? Um, Yeah, they've got a birth rate that is twice that of the United States. Mm. Even non-religious Israelis are having children above replacement level. Above replacement level. Wow. Now, you know, I... Anyway, there's a there's some there there could be some spiritual implication to that, mm. you know, to, to what's what's going on there. But I don't know. I just don't think we I don't think we get it or I don't think we want to get it in the United States of America that, number one, the word of God is true, that children are a blessing. Right. right? And and so because we don't we don't get that, then we can't think practically about that either. And then we are at a place where we're not. We're not replacing ourselves. And and that's anyway, that's dangerous for any country. Certainly it's dangerous for the United States of America. Well, that's interesting because I'm sure the amount of uh, abortions and things like that didn't go dramatically down, you know? No, no. In fact, man, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I read an article. 
I should have been prepared. I should have anticipated you making that comment. But I read an article that looked at the abortion numbers during um, the COVID lockdowns. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I don't want to just be guessing. But no, we didn't see any dip in that that would say, oh, because people are not conceiving. No, people were still conceiving and still um, murdering babies during COVID, you remember the discussion we had about mm. what are and what are not essential services. Yeah. And you remember right. Planned Parenthood and, you know, yeah, no. seeing their services as essential. So, so this that, was a major conversation. That says a lot. I mean, I mean, cause that's telling us that the activity that produces babies are still going on, you know, yes. without any <laughs> dropage, but you know, that the, the also the things to kill babies are still in effect. And man, that says a lot about where we are. <clears throat> You yeah. know, that says a lot. Anytime. Let's try to squeeze in a couple of phone calls. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. It tells me in so many ways, and, and I don't mean to be crude in saying this, but in so many ways, we want um, we want to receive things from the Lord. Um, if you understand what I'm saying, we want to receive things from the Lord with no strings attached. Right. Mm-hmm. So the Lord has provided for us, you know, um, a means by which we continue on, you know, populating. Mm-hmm. But then he has also blessed us in this provision in other ways. And I'm trying to be very careful here. But it seems that so many of us are like, I want the blessings of that. Yeah. But I don't want that. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't want the strings attached. And as soon as we found a way to be able to detach one from the other then um, let them forever be detached, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and so anyway, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I read an article like this mm-hmm. and I just go, man, but if you have faithful Christians who take the Lord at his word and say, I agree with him that children are a blessing. Mm-hmm. I agree with him that the man is blessed whose quiver is full, mm-hmm. right? And and look, and the Lord knows what full is right. for each person. Right. So this is not, and, and by the way, and I feel like whenever we have this conversation, there are people who the temptation, the very real temptation is to parade out the number of children that they have. But this is a heart issue because mm-hmm. you can have a number of children and still have the absolute wrong heart toward them. Right. And the blessing that they are. It's just that you have you have a lot of children. I think that what we as Christians should endeavor to have is a heart that aligns with the word of God. Yeah. That we say God is wise. Um, It seems like an understatement to say he's smart. Right. And so what do we want to do? We want to be on his side. We want to be in agreement with him. Unfortunately, we have not been. And so we are now and will in the future. We will suffer the consequences of that because we have a dwindling population mm. all right well the great where do we go all right let's go to sadina sadina in texas hi sadina yeah hello hi mickey hi will hello, hello. Um, second time caller thank you but and i listen to you pretty much every chance every day i get um you're talking about the population mm-hmm. when i was um gosh i have one son that i birthed I have two stepdaughters. Mm-hmm. When Jonathan was growing up, and his name means Jehovah has given a beloved, Jonathan mm. David. Mm. So I mm. took being a mother very seriously because mm-hmm. I was told I couldn't have children, and then God blessed me with Jonathan. I, when I had him, was 31. Mm. 
so him not having children right now may be partly my fault. Um, I told him growing up that he didn't have to be in a hurry to get married, Hmm. to walk with God and let him guide his path. But it was okay if everybody else at 18 and 19 was getting married and starting their families because at 31, I had just had my birthday, I was such a better mother than I would have been at 21, mainly because at 21, you're still going through your selfishness and you're not dying to yourself and your self-wants and your self-needs. Now, that's interesting, well. Sedina. Can I just say, that's that's a really interesting yeah. point that you're making. I actually think that uh, children aid in this dying to oneself. Mm, like, I, I think that at 21, <laughs> if if you if you have kids at 21, um, I, I think that that selfish phase gets abbreviated because it's very difficult for it to still be all about you when you've got that 2 a.m. call true. and, and you know, it's 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 you and the little one. What what do you think about that? I, I think I think that there are mothers that do it better. I don't <laughs> know that I would have. Hmm. The thing is, is that I, I can reflect into my 20s and I I tended to be selfish Um I had a failed marriage at 18. It didn't last. Married my high school sweetheart. It lasted 17 months. I told God, and that was so hard because I was raised in church. You didn't do that. It was until Mm -hmm. death do you part. Then I said, okay, Lord, I'm not getting married again if you deem it until I know exactly who I'm going to the grave with. I was 28. By the time that person came into my life, and then I was accepting the fact that I couldn't have children, so his two daughters became my daughters in my heart and Mm -hmm. in my soul. So I gave them everything that I would have given my own child, but I, I think even then, even though we didn't get the girls, you know, but every other weekend and maybe in the holidays, it still, even he was still selfish. I could feel. um, But Sadina, let me just, let me just jump in just in the interest of time. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but I know we got at least a couple other callers holding on. Just in the interest of time to the points that you're making though, I think that the Lord has worked in our sanctification um, as a part of, of this work that he does in our life, marriage and according to his will, children. And I should say both yeah. according to his will, marriage according to his will and children according to his will. And so I, I think and respectfully and lovingly here, I think that we tend to adopt the surrounding culture's narrative on many things. When mm-hmm. if we would say, well, what does the word of God say? You know what I mean? Then we might arrive at a different conclusion. I really believe that the Lord sanctifies us, does a sanctifying work in our life through both marriage and children. And and I've, I've got to tell you, I'm a different person today because <laughs> of my children. Me too. <laughs> I, hands down, hands down. They have changed our life.
<laughs> we relate to each other and the world around us quite differently because of having them. And I think that if we begin to see the wisdom of God and how he has designed the family, you know, we tell our kids, man, as the Lord wills, there's no, there's no reason to wait and, oh, I don't have time, 15 seconds to make this point. <laughs> All right. We're going to have to talk about it tomorrow. Yes. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.